Genesis chapter 27 then, uh, I'm going to start reading just verse 1, and we'll read through uh, uh, maybe a tad more than is on your, uh, on your sheet there to the end of the chapter. Um, Genesis chapter 27, hear the word of God. When Isaac was old and his eyes were dim so that he could not see, he called Esau, his older son, and said to him, My son. And he answered, Here I am. He said, Behold, I'm old. I do not know when the day of my death. I do not know the day of my death. Now then, take your weapons, your quiver, your bow, and go out to the field and hunt game for me and prepare for me delicious food such as I love and bring it to me so that I may eat and my soul may bless you before I die. Now Rebekah, Isaac's wife, Now, Rebekah was listening when Isaac spoke to his son Esau. So when Esau went to the field to hunt for game and bring it, Rebekah said to her son, Jacob, I heard your father speak to your brother Esau. Bring me game and prepare me delicious food that I may eat it and bless you before the Lord before I die. Now, therefore, my son, obey my voice as I command you. Go to the flock and bring me two good young goats so that I may prepare from them delicious food for your father such as he loves. And you shall bring it to your father to eat, so that he may bless you before he dies. Jacob said to his mother, Behold, my brother Esau is a hairy man, and I am a smooth man. Perhaps my father will feel me, and I shall seem to be mocking him, and bring a curse upon myself, and not a blessing. His mother said to him, Let your curse be on me, my son. Only obey my voice, and go bring them to me. So he went and took them and brought them to his mother, and his mother prepared delicious food such as his father loved. And Rebekah took the best garments of Esau, her older son, who were with her in her house, and put them on Jacob, her younger son. And the skins of the young goats she put on uh, his hands and the smooth part of his neck. And she put the delicious food and the bread which she had prepared into the hands of her son Jacob. So he went in to his father and said, My father. And he said, Here I am. Who are you, my son? Jacob said to his father, I am Esau, your firstborn. I have done as you told me. Now sit up and eat of my game that your soul may bless me. But Isaac said to his son, How is it that you have found it so quickly, my son? He answered, Because the Lord, your God, granted me success. And Isaac said to Jacob, Please come near that I may feel you, my son, to know whether you are really my son Esau or not. So Jacob went near his father, who felt him and said, The voice is Jacob's voice, but the hands are the hands of Esau. And he did not recognize him, because his hands were hairy like his brother Esau's hands. So he blessed him. He said, Are you really my son Esau? He answered, I am. Then he said, Bring it near to me, that I may eat of my son's game and bless you. So he brought it near to him, and he ate, and he brought him wine, and he drank. Then his father father Isaac said to him, Come near and kiss me, my son. So he came near and kissed him, and Isaac smelled the smell of his garments. And blessed him and said, See, the smell of my son is as the smell of a field that the Lord has blessed. May God give you of the dew of heaven 
and of the fatness of the earth and plenty of grain and wine. Let people serve you and nations bow down to you. Be Lord over your brothers and may your mother's sons bow down to you. Cursed be everyone who curses you and blessed be everyone who blesses you. As soon as Isaac had finished blessing Jacob, when Jacob had scarcely gone out from the presence of Isaac, his father, Esau, his brother, came in from his hunting. He also prepared delicious food and brought it to his father. And he said to his father, Let my father arise and eat of his son's game that you may bless me. His father Isaac said to him, Who are you? He answered, I am your son, your firstborn, Esau. Then Isaac trembled very violently and said, Who was it then that hunted game and brought it to me, and I ate it all before you came, and I have blessed him? Yes, and he shall be blessed. As soon as Esau heard the words of his father, he cried out with an exceedingly great and bitter cry and said to his father, Bless me, even me also, O my father. They said, Your brother came deceitfully, and he has taken away your blessing. Esau says, Is he not rightly named Jacob, which means cheat or deceitful? For he has cheated me these two times. He took away my birthright, and behold, now he has taken away my blessing. Then he said, Have you not reserved a blessing for me? Isaac said to Esau, Behold, I have made him lord over you, and all, his, uh, and all his brothers I have given to him for servants, and with grain and wine I have sustained him. What then can I do for you, my son? Esau said to his father, Have you but one blessing, my father? Bless me, even me also, O oh my father. And Esau lifted up his voice and wept. And Isaac, his father, answered and said to him, Behold, Away from the fatness of the earth shall your dwelling be, and away from the dew of heaven on high. By your sword you shall live, and you shall serve your brother. But when you grow restless, you shall break his yoke from your neck. Now Esau hated Jacob because of the blessing with which his father had blessed him. And Esau said to himself, Days of mourning for my father are approaching, then... I will kill my brother Jacob. But the words of Esau, her older son, were told uh, to Rebekah. So she sent and called Jacob, her younger son, and said to him, Behold, your brother Esau comforts himself about you by planning to kill you. Now therefore, my son, obey my voice. Arise, flee to Laban, my brother in Haran, and stay with him a while until your brother's fury turns away, until your brother's anger turns away from you, and he forgets what you have done to him. Then I will send... Uh, and bring you from there. Why should I be bereft of you both in one day? Do y'all remember the TV show Barney? I can't really figure out, like, yes, okay, enough. I can't really figure out the generations to know who kind of grew up with Barney or not. Um, the, uh, one of the first times I remember any significance to the phrase dysfunctional um, was a uh, spoof of the theme song of Barney. Uh, I hate you, you hate me, we're a dysfunctional family. <laughs> it was, <coughs> I, I thought it was really funny at the time. Um, <coughs> it was not the first time that I had experienced dysfunctional, but maybe uh, learned, the, learned the word there. Um, 
Uh, certainly, I'd, I'd hated my brothers and given them reason to, to hate me uh, plenty all the way uh, through, along with other relationships. Uh, dysfunctional relationships aren't anything new. Uh, man, you go to Genesis and you open up first or second page, and there's, there's Adam being like, it was the woman, right? Um, she's the one that did it. She's like, thanks, hubby. Appreciate the, the trust and respect and just selling me out there first, first thing. Um, didn't, didn't go so well. The first children, right, Cain killed Abel. Yeah, not, not what you're looking for, good family relationships. Um, they certainly fit. Uh, and the events of this passage certainly fit in the category of uh, dysfunctional uh, relationships, right? And the more, uh, the more pain and hurt and deception and manipulations and, and all of these things that we experience in relationships, um, the, the more de- dejected we are, the more it draws us back, right? So we, we wish that we just had wonderful relationships, that life was like a, a, the ending of a Disney movie and everyone is happy and, and gets along and that, uh, relationships are, are great. We feel like there's wonderful relationships without conflict. That's what we're hoping for for like roommates and with our professor and like people that we, uh, people that we hang out with. <clears throat> we want relationships without any conflict. They're just wonderful that like, you actually deal with people and you realize like that doesn't exist. If the other person's caused it or if, if they kind of held back long enough, you realize you, you did something. Um, and so we tend to become like either cynical or we start to be self-protective or we have like our defense mechanisms or we, or we hide out. Uh, kind of away from relationships or certain aspects of relationships, or on the other side, you kind of become controlling of the people around you of what you're allowed to talk about and not and how that relationship goes. And, and we're trying to be, like, self-protective in it, and it just, we just kind of add our dysfunctioning into the mess that's already there. So where's that, where's that leave us? Um, I want to point you to an answer from the, from the gospel and from this passage uh, that is talking about uh, dysfunctional and hopeful. It's putting the two things together. The more we experience the, the uh, pain and the things that we, we draw back, we feel like there isn't a hope of something. But here in the passage you see, man, a really messed up family interactions. Um, and it's hopeful. And God's promises are being worked out through it. Hopeful because God works in the middle of and despite and even through uh, our manipulations. And he works to the fulfillment of the promise uh, to reconcile us to himself and even reconcile us to each other in peace and ultimately to, to, to rectify and end all evil and hurt and suffering. Uh, that's what God has promised. That's what he said that he is doing uh, in Christ. That's what this passage is leading us toward. The whole of Scripture calls us uh, to rest in the promise that God makes to us and fulfills in Christ. Dysfunctional and hopeful. So, do you see the ways that you've been hurt by other people? I didn't take too long for your mind to, mind to get there. Maybe you don't want to dwell on it too long. You'll start being bitter and like, you won't listen to everything else I've said because you're like, imagining different arguments of how you would actually respond to them if they were here and what you'd, how you'd tell them off. <coughs> I, I do that. I don't know. Um, uh, ways that you've been hurt by other people? Do you see the ways that your issues affect other people that you're friends with, or that you're around, that you've interacted with? 
Uh, and in seeing those things, you still see reason for hope. Hope despite, through, and even in the middle of all that dysfunctionality. Um, so dysfunctional maneuvering. That's how, I wanna, uh, that's how I'm describing the human actions as we look uh, through this episode here. Uh, that's the first point that we'll go through. Dysfunctional uh, maneuvering. That's what you see. Four characters in the passage, right? There's Isaac, uh, his wife Rebecca, uh, and then there's two sons, Jacob and Esau. And as you look at it, there's conflict between all of them. Um, there's conflict all the way around, and each one just seems to be after their own opposing goal. And there are a little bit of like split sides, just like Jacob and Esau versus Isaac. I mean, Jacob and, uh, and Rebecca versus Esau and, and Isaac, and, you know, kind of uh, split going on. But they're each kind of after their own goal and their opposing goal in it. Right? That's not how a family should, should be. Um, it's not how like the godly covenant family line of promise uh, it's supposed to be. What hope's going to come out of that? It's not how uh, Christians are, are supposed to behave and interact with one another, or how anyone uh, should, should be treating one another. But it, it, it's what happened, um, and it's, it's reflective of a lot of the ways that we do interact with one another. Um, maybe you can see some of the similarities from this passage in certain ways that you've been treated, um, or even things that you've done, how you've, how you've treated others, um, keeping secrets, picking sides, playing favorites. Um, <clears throat> here in these two parents, you see the whole dynamic is off. The, the, the parents aren't even talking to one another. They've kind of each picked their, their favorite child, and there's a kind of split uh, in, in the middle of it, and it's constantly just lies and deceit and, and manipulation and hurt and hurt and hurt being piled up on hurt. Um, so we're going to go there and just look at the dysfunctional maneuvering, uh, but nobody, and I mean nobody, comes off looking good when you read through the passage. You notice that? Not like, who's the hero? And, oh, no. Um, this, is, this is messed up. Uh, we'll start with Isaac, right? This is, this is Isaac. Abraham's son, Isaac, child of the, of the promise. It's through Isaac that your offspring will be named, God has said. Um, God's covenant's been made with him. He's heard uh, God speak with him and making these promises. He's the one who, it's through him that he's carrying on hope and redemption uh, and rescue and salvation. So, what do we think of Isaac when we look at this passage? Um, it starts off telling us that he's uh, essentially blind as a bat. Right? Uh, he, he's blind about his old age, about 100. He's blind as that, but he doesn't trust in his uh, hearing. Um, you notice, like, it sounds like Jacob's voice, but like, the hands are the hands of, of Esau. More than that, he doesn't listen to, to God's voice. I'll bring that out a little bit more in a, in a minute. Instead, what he does trust in uh, seems to be his belly. Did you notice this? Um, it's, it's taste. It's like, uh, like, Three or four different times that you hear this phrase in there, the delicious food that I love. My son, make for me the delicious food that I love, and I will bless you. And Rebecca says, I'm going to make for your father the delicious food that he loves. And then she hands to Jacob the delicious food that he loves. And then he tastes the delicious food that he loves. Like, what's Isaac concerned with here? Um, uh, his, his taste, his later the smell um, uh, of his son when he, he responds to it. Um, and you, you kind of start wondering about it because here he's, um, 
if you add up the numbers of passages, he's a, he's a hundred years old here, and it's uh, he's think he's sickly. He's in bed, right? As they come in, they both kind of say to him, "Arise, you know, sit up uh, to, to to bless me." Um, he's not sure if he's going to die soon, but uh, scripture tells us later it, it's it's another eighty years um, before he dies. Um, had to be a long eighty years for Rebecca um, with him. Um, you really, given some of that thing, and, and given the focus on taste, like you start to wonder about his weight uh, at this point. Um, he, he comes across as a character who is, uh, he's easily tricked. He is completely duped. Comes out as the fool uh, in this. And, and seriously, what kind of father can't tell his two sons apart? Right? I mean, I, I recognize he, it's not just a sight thing, right? But he's, he's He's hearing, he's eating this meal the whole time with Jacob. Is he, is he talking with him? Like, he can't even tell his own two sons apart. I think he would have to hurt Jacob as he's there. He's deceiving his father. Great, but my father didn't even know who I am. And Esau walks in, and he's like, you gave it to someone else because you couldn't even tell who, who I am? You can't distinguish me from someone else? Um, the, the lack of spirit, any kind of uh, recognition of any spiritual leadership uh, from Isaac, either of his wife or of his children, uh, in this passage, some of the context around it uh, that you see as well. And more than that, he's even opposing God's plan. I want to just take you uh, uh, back, if you have your Bibles, uh, back a couple chapters of 25, when, uh, uh, when Rebecca was, uh, was, was pregnant, she went to inquire of the Lord because they're struggling in her womb. And, and the Lord said to her, Two nations are in your womb, and two peoples from within you shall be divided. And then he said, the Lord said this, The one shall be stronger than the other. The older shall serve the younger. God's covenant promises are going to go with the, with the younger a son. Who is, who is uh, Jacob. The older shall serve the, uh, the, uh, the younger. And so here's uh, Isaac thinking he's going to die soon. He needs to pass on this blessing, carry on God's covenant promise of blessing through his, his child. And God has said that's going to be with Jacob. And he says, Esau is my favorite. And he makes this really delicious food that I would like to, that I would like to eat. Um, that seems to be part of the reason that it's his favorite. Isaac is going against God's word. He's also doing it behind his wife's back. Um, it's secretly that he speaks to, to Esau. Um, and and to, to go, he plans, uh, plans this out with and to bless uh, his son, Esau. Right, but if the father's bad, then the, you know, usually like... You might have a bad father, but then the mother's going to be good and kind of make up for it, uh, right? She's going to pick up the slack. Or, or not, uh, when, you, when you look at Rebecca here, um, right? Not only is she eavesdropping on Isaac to, to start off the passage, um, but, but then she develops this secret plot. Of, she takes that information to develop this secret plot of her own um, to favor her son. Do you notice that in verse uh, uh, five and uh, five and six? The way this favoritism comes out. Um, uh, uh, so, uh, so when es- uh, uh, now Rebecca was listening when Isaac spoke to his son Esau. And in verse six, Rebecca said to her son Jacob. And the passage tends to just follow that through. There's a few times it has a lot of other words uh, uh, in there. It's just favoritism. She's she's dealing with with her side of the of the family. She wants to promote that. Um, 
And, and not only is she, she's not like communicating with her husband as a helper, right? Like, God has said this, he's made these promises to us before. Um, listen, do you remember what God has said? I heard you talking with Esau. This is not what, we, what God's called us to do. He's not going to allow this. She shouldn't do that. She takes it to herself and comes up with this plan. She's, she's opposing his leadership and doing so with deception. Um, and man, she is... She's good at deception, uh, right? It, it takes a pretty crafty manipulator to come up with a scheme. Uh, and she seems to come up with it, like, on the spot, right? I, I think it takes an experienced, practiced, crafty manipulator to come up uh, with this plan. Um, look at the bits of it. She's heard it, and so she immediately brings Jacob in and says, listen, go, this is what your father's going to do. We're not going to let that happen. While Esau is out, you go quickly and bring me uh, these two goats, and I'm going to prepare that delicious meal uh, that he loves. Um, and, uh, and she's going to take the, uh, the, the uh, skin of the things and, and put that on, uh, on uh, Jacob to cover it over so that his father feels him. It'll feel hairy like a goat, which is how uh, Esau, um, Esau was. And uh, she puts on Esau's clothes on him. Right? She's, she's got the scheme all figured out. That's exactly what they go ahead to do. Um, it, uh, it even seems, maybe this is reading in, but it, it seems that she's kind of controlling when she's dealing with Jacob too. Uh, obey, like go, do this, bring this to me. And then when he protests, she says, only obey my voice, go, bring them to me. She's got it. She's taking care of business. You better step in line and get it done. Um, <clears throat> right, so, so what about Jacob. Jacob, whose name is later changed to Israel because he's like the covenant head of the families of God's people that they're, that they're coming from. Um, what about Jacob? If anything, it's worse. Um, right? The, the, the seedful maneuvering goes, goes further. The dysfunction. Um, uh, he, he seems similar to his mother. Right? He kind of has some of her traits as a strategic manipulator. Um, when, uh, when, when Rebecca is laying out her plan, she notices that, uh, that Jacob objects. He's like, but mom. But it's, you see it in verse 11? Look at verse 11. Um, but Jacob said to Rebecca, his mother, behold. But it's not like an ethical objection that he brings. Oh, we're going around behind our father's back. We're going to lie and deceive him and all this for something with the Lord's purpose. Mom, this is, no, he's like, uh, how's it going to work? Have you thought this all the way through? We've got to make sure I don't get caught. Um, right? Same kind, of, uh, same kind of thing. He's already cheated uh, his brother, cheated his needy brother um, out of the birthright. Um, uh, Esau was out hunting, and he's coming back, um, uh, coming back from the field, uh, from this hunt, and, and Jacob has... Cl- happens to have uh, cooked an amazing meal um, that's right there, that's red stew and Esau comes up and he's like give me some of the stew and he does it he's not willing to just like he's a brother, he's hungry what would you do? like okay here's a bowl like fine, you know like maybe can you pitch in for some of the ingredients I mean like maybe, really um, but no, what he says is sell me your birthright Give me all your inheritance because you're the firstborn. Say that it belongs to me, and I'll give you some food. Um, right? Like, where's the brotherly love? Um, but that's, that's Jacob. <laughs> um, you know, like the Ten Commandments? 
uh, honor your father and your mother. He shows no respect, no honor uh, to his father when he comes in. Who are you? And Jacob answered, I am Esau. Right? And again and again he has to, uh, he continues to lie to him. He, he holds the line pretty well. Right? Um, no, no show of his conscience uh, bothering him uh, in this. Um, he's, uh, he takes the Lord's name in vain. He's, he's a blasphemer in it, right? He says, how did you get it so quickly? The Lord, the, the covenant Lord your God brought me success. Yeah, kind of adding to it, right? So he's, he's got like, he's, he's breaking the honor of your father and your mother, breaking, uh, don't take the Lord's name in vain. He's already uh, cheated his brother, uh, stolen uh, from him. He's uh, lying the whole thing, bearing false witness, uh, right? So, I mean, he's not a, not a murderer yet or adulterer, but he doesn't have a lot going for him just when we look according to like the Ten Commandments, right? Um, uh, but, uh, but here he is, he goes into his father, he says, I'm, I'm Esau, uh, Jacob's voice, but yes, no, it's, it's me. Here's the things, brings him the meal, uh, brings him the, 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 uh, the meal and the wine from the drink, and, and he receives the blessing. Uh, uh, Isaac says, uh, May God give you the dew of heaven, the fatness of the earth, plenty of grain and wine. Let people serve you. Nations bow down to you. Be Lord over your brothers. May your mother's sons bow down to you. Cursed be everyone who curses you and blessed everyone who blesses you. Uh, he gets the blessing. So there's Esau. Man, none of this works out very well for Esau. Like, if, if anybody um, you have a little bit of pity for, maybe it's Esau, but, but maybe not too much. Um, because he, he, you've already been told about his, him giving up his entire inheritance, and even this is kind of including the covenant promise of God going through him, and he gives that all up for a bowl of tasty soup because he was really hungry. Right? Jacob maybe was like his mother, now maybe you got a like father, like son. Um, also, just before this, it's told us of him uh, marrying wives uh, from the people around them who did not love the Lord. And what it says, the verse right before this chapter uh, begins, uh, it mentions these two wives, and it says that they made life bitter uh, for Isaac and Rebekah. Um, now, he's a, he's a strong hunter, one thing we're told about him, but, but he's, he's duped. He's outwitted. And what you see in the, the narrative is that he's left whining and complaining uh, and crying uh, to his father. The story tells as soon as Jacob finishes blessing Isaac, I mean, Isaac finished blessing uh, Jacob, and uh, how does it say that he'd scarcely, uh, scarcely left, the, uh, left the room, uh, right? When, when Jacob had scarcely gone out from the presence of Isaac, his father, Esau came in. Once Isaac figures out uh, what's going on, he's shaking violently. He's mad about this. His, his plan was, was foiled. It was going against God's plan. And Esau calls out to him and continues to call him, bless me, even me also. Um, calls Jacob a, a cheat. He really is a cheat. That's what his name kind of means, uh, or one way of uh, interpreting it. Right, but, uh, he's cheated me two times with the birthright, and now he's even taken from me the blessing. There's kind of a connection between the two, but, um, but, but even so, right? Uh, fool me one time. Shame on you. Uh, fool me two times. Uh, shame on me. And what he gets is a reverse blessing, right? You're going to be far away from the blessings of the land, and you're going to serve your brother. That's what he's told. 
Um, Esau comes out as a, as a dumb, foolish uh, dupe, uh, ungodly, though, though strong. And what you see after the passage is what does he do? Well, you know, I mean, Jacob kind of left open that murder thing as one of the things to, to you know, fall out from. So he's like, fine, as soon as my father dies, I'm taking my brother out. And guess who's going to get the inheritance then? Guess who Lauren's going to have to go through, right? He's, he's just as much a manipulator and in with the whole thing as, as, as them. Dysfunctional maneuvering all the way through. Um, not one person comes off good in these interactions. So what kind of hope is there uh, for salvation to come uh, from, a, from a family? like What kind of hope is there for, for anything good uh, to come from such dysfunction? Like I say in the passage, there's dysfunction uh, and hope. Uh, so I go to the second point, uh, hopeful meaning. Hopeful meaning. The, the hope in the passage comes uh, not from the human actions in the passage, but the hope comes from the divine actions that are overruling all of it. Uh, I said before that God works uh, despite, he works even through and in the middle of all the dysfunction, all the lies, all the deceits, all the hurts, all the backstabbing, all the secrets. Um, now you read the passage and nowhere does it say and then God did something, right? Or then the Lord said uh, and, and intervened and spoke up and, and to change things. But you still see God working out His purposes. A lot of times in relationships and stuff that we have to deal with, right? We feel like where's God? Why would this happen? Um, why doesn't He intervene and change something? Um, and then when we don't see that happening, what we do is say, then it's up to me. They're hurting me. If there's going to be any justice here, if I'm going to get what, what I need, I've got to make my way for it. We just add, add to it. The hopeful meaning comes outside of ourselves. It has to. It comes outside of ourselves by God's grace. It comes by faith and not by sight or not by skill. Uh, manipulating their interpersonal relational skills. Uh, <clears throat> comes by faith outside of us and God providing for us uh, the promised one and his son in Christ. All right, despite all the maneuvering, manipulations, what you see in the passage is that God's plan not thrown off course. Not even a little bit. In fact, it's through all these things that his plan comes together. Right? Genesis 25, 23 that we read earlier, the older shall serve the, late, the, the younger. And so then Isaac is giving this blessing to who he thinks is Esau. And what he says is, you will be Lord over your brothers and over your, all your mother's sons, all your relatives coming from them. And then when he realized who Esau is and is speaking now to Esau, he says, you will serve your brother. Just as God had said, so it worked out, even though Isaac was trying to go against it the other way. Um, it continues just the way God said for the covenant to continue through Jacob, uh, the younger son. Now listen, I think this is really encouraging. Um, because what it means is that we can't mess up what God's doing. I like that. Because I mess up a lot of things. Um, you can't mess up what God's doing. Jacob's purpose is to try, I mean, Isaac's purpose is trying to go against what God says. And what he does is actually bring it about. Uh, unwittingly, unknowingly. Um, but, but so it happens. We can't mess up what God's doing, and no one can. 
And so what it feels like, I really messed it all up now. I shouldn't have done these things or I've, I've gone too far in this direction. And what hope is there now? It's not about what you've done. Uh, the hope is outside of us and God. Or, or what it feels like, I've been screwed over too many times uh, by too many people. I'm not going to take the hurt anymore. Uh, I'm not going to deal with it anymore or feeling like this is all I'm good for and that these kind of tra- trajectories are just going to continue. Um, there's hope beyond it. Right? Thankfully, God's not dependent on our being good to work out his plan of hope for us. God's not dependent on our being good. If he was dependent on our being good, then, man, the Bible would have ended back in Genesis 3. And then it would continue to end again in Genesis 4. And again in Genesis 9, at least, and like 11, all these passages that we've seen, and certainly here in, in 27. Um, really, he, he's not dependent on our being good. He's, um, like, give him a little bit of credit, he's, he's smarter than that. Um, if, if it was just left up to us, we're, we're not, we're not going to make it. We're not getting it. God has, by his grace, promised that he will bring the salvation even when we're screwing it all up. He will bring what we need, what we hope, what we long for. He will turn everything around and make things right through his son, uh, through him coming into the world in Christ. Uh, we're not dependent on our being good, not on, not on hurting or, or, or being too hurt. Uh, the plan of the promise all along from all the way through Genesis was to bring Jesus Christ as the promised one. And he continued it through uh, Cain and, and uh, Abel, Adam and Eve, and through Jacob and Esau, um, this deceit of Isaac, that God is bringing it to Jesus Christ as the promised one. Because he's the one who's good. He is the one who is perfect and who we can rely on to be perfect. Rescue and salvation and hope are through relying outside of ourselves on Christ. I I love uh, Acts 2, verse 23 and 24 says this. This is uh, after Christ's resurrection. uh, Peter speaking on Pentecost. He stands up and says so many things and he says, This Jesus was delivered up according to the definite plan and foreknowledge of God. This is according to God's plan of redemption that he was accomplishing that this happened. But he says, you killed, you crucified and killed by the hands of lawless men. And God raised him up, loosing the pangs of death because it was not possible for him to be held by it. Uh, all our dysfunctioning, if you want to say it that way, all of our sins and wrongs come to a climax when God himself is present in the flesh and we say, condemn him, crucify him, and put him to death by our best legal system of the time and by uh, the, the, uh, the religious desires of the time, all together and say, death to him. We are, we are against God completely at that point. And that was according to God's plan to bring about redemption uh, and hope and salvation through raising him up from the dead. Um, we weren't able to mess it up even when we were purposely trying to. Uh, God, uh, his plan's not thrown off course. Now listen, that doesn't mean that the deceitful maneuvering is okay. Like it was okay to kill Jesus because God was working something good out of it. We wouldn't say that. Uh, nor was, was Jacob and, and Rebecca and the rest of their uh, actions okay here. Um, it's wrong. It was wrong that needs to be judged as, as evil. And God's the one who does that. <laughs> Now, for instance, if you kind of walk along through, uh, through Genesis, you get to see some of it. Uh, it's a little bit fun if you, you know, appreciate a little bit of justice. Um, uh, the text kind of brings it out. Jacob, the, the cheater, uh, the deceiver, um, 
you know, at the end of the passage, Rebecca says, go to Laban, my brother, stay there for a while. I want you to find a wife from, from among him. And if you remember the story of, of, of Jacob trying to find his, his wife there. Jacob the cheater cheated. Uh, he, gets, he gets deceived. He's the one who's, who's duped. Um, the one who, by a mistaken identity for Esau, receives the blessing, um, is mistakes the identity of the one whom he spent seven years uh, in love with waiting to marry. <coughs> and it's her sister. That's a different story. And then he um, also marries her, her sister. Um, <coughs> and then even later, Jacob, 12 sons. Uh, and so, so Jacob, uh, you remember the story of Joseph, his brothers uh, go against him and um, sell him into slavery, but they, they, they come back. Jacob, who used a, a goat and, uh, and clothing to deceive his father, um, his, uh, now his, his children, um, uh, his, his, he's tricked by his, by his sons, by his children, by a goat's blood and clothing into believing that his favorite son was dead. Right? And the favoritism keeps coming out as well. Uh, this function continues. Uh, but, but there's more than just that kind of judgment that happens as you see some you know, rectification of it in Genesis. Uh, because Romans 6 says the wages of sin, what sin actually deserves is, is death. And it does, it records Jacob's death. Uh, but more than that, Scripture records for Christ's death. Uh, that there is the judgment of, of what our sins uh, deserve. Right? Ultimately, all our wrongs, our hurts, our manipulations, our abuses, our taking sides, our playing favorites, our eavesdropping and gossiping and lying and secrets and deceptions and power plays are going to be judged. Scripture says they deserve a death, a removal from God. Uh, Christ's death, though, is for our sins. It's for those things that deserve that death. He, he experiences that death and it opens up the way for rescue, to be reconciled uh, to God so that we don't have to bear the consequences of our dysfunction that leads to our demise. As Christ takes those things on himself for those who hope in him. Jesus was rejected and punished in the place of all who trust in him. So there's hope. There's hope outside of ourselves. Because he's done it. He's even taken the blame for all the ways that we've messed up. Uh, but the hopeful meaning goes beyond death and Christ's resurrection. Right? Life from the dead. Um, to, to put it this way in the language that I'm putting out for the sermon, uh, a full and heightened new functionality. Right? A full and heightened new functionality is what comes from what was a completely non-functional dead body. But then he's raised uh, to life. Uh, raised to glorious life, no longer corruptible uh, of flesh, but in a glorified body, reigning uh, together with Christ, uh, reigning together um, with the Lord to return and make all things right, putting all things under His feet. And He makes us alive uh, with Him. He makes us alive with Him spiritually now as new creations. That's what we speak of as conversion, of uh, placing your faith in Christ. And He uh, makes you a new person. He changes who you are, your, your, uh, your attitude. He begins to work out new behaviors uh, in your life even. Right? Of, of constant repentance because you realize that you're dysfunctional all the time. And faith, learning a new function of, of love by the Spirit. Because uh, well, the fruit of the Spirit is, is love joy and peace and patience. You see those are like relational characteristics getting worked out. 
um, that comes from the Spirit. Christ's Spirit placed in us, this new high-functioning uh, Spirit uh, that is coming from Christ that, that gives life and brings that life out of our uh, dysfunctioning. And we are waiting for Christ's return, uh, waiting for a perfectly working new creation when everything works right. When there aren't thorns and thistles and sweat and death and all those things of the curse that Genesis has talked about, where there's no hurt, Scripture says, or tears or pain uh, anymore. Uh, but we are with God in His presence, with the Lamb, as the light and as the hope for us. Right. When you see the passage, you see dysfunction all over the place. And you see hope of God's covenant promises continuing on. Uh, dysfunctional and hopeful, they really can and do go together because God is at work in the middle of the mess in the middle of all of our mess. Um, so where you see and experience the problems of that, there's hope in the gospel. There really is hope in the gospel. Uh, but it drives us to look outside of ourselves to the only one who gets it right, uh, to Jesus. Uh, and he is making all things right. To look to the one who functioned, uh, functions beyond all and brings out this uh, uh, right living from us. <clears throat> Um, that our hope rests in Him. So, when you're lied to by others, you find out about it, and you know they meant to hurt you, or, or when you hurt someone else by your manipulation, working for your goals, when you find yourself picking sides, or getting really ticked off because the side that you wanted just ignored you, didn't pay you the attention that you wanted. Uh, when the pile of deception and hurt uh, and secrets and treachery just seems too deep, too much drama, I don't want to deal with it anymore. Um, God's at work in the middle of the mess. Dysfunction and hope are together looking outside of the Christ. Um, re- remember this passage. Remember Jacob. Remember the promise continuing. Remember Christ. Uh, remember even to give another specific remember Judas remember Judas who betrayed Jesus uh, with a kiss and through that handed him over to the authorities that he would be crucified for our salvation uh, that we would have hope, our confident hope for the world uh, and even for us 